All right, my friend and co-founder, um, I, I'm wondering what you got me as a present today, because it is uh, National Left-Handers Day. And I don't know if you knew this, but I'm left-handed. Oh, I didn't get you anything. I had no idea. Well, can I, can I give you some facts, some left-handed facts? Go for it. So, uh, left-handers make up 10 to 12% of the world's population, so I'm a, I'm a unique snowflake. Uh, left-handers use their right brain more, which is linked to creativity, which makes sense, and I'm not the technical co-founder in Fathom. Mm. Um, left-handers tend to be more affected by negative emotions, such as anger and fear. Good thing <laughs> I'm never angry. I mean, it doesn't line up there, but... <laughs> uh, left-handers have an advantage in sports when they involve two opponents facing each other. Uh, no. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> it's a no on that one. And then finally, which I think is the most important and the most fitting for myself, is that left-handed people's IQs tend to be over 140 compared to people who are right-handed. Mm. So yeah, there you go. Maybe. Happy, happy Left-Handers Day to me. All right, sir. What what is on the docket for the conversation today for this episode of Above Board? A lot of people are curious about credit cards and trials when users are signing up. They want to know, do credit cards reduce the amount of trials you would have? And they want to know what the right way to do things is. So I think we should shine some light on that. I guess I'll caveat it with the fact that I don't think there is a right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like if there was a right way, then everybody would just do it one way. Everybody's sign up processes for their SaaS would be exactly the same. Everybody would either ask for a credit card or not ask for a credit card. I think the fact that this is a conversation really lends itself to the idea that there just there isn't just one way to do anything. And so I think this is just a conversation about what we do, why we do it, and why we think it is a benefit to do it in the way that we do it. Yeah. Okay. So straight off the mark, I I believe it's important to include a credit card form because um, you want to limit who's coming into the system. You want to make sure that you haven't got to chase them for payments when it's due. And that it's a legitimate person. A lot of the time when someone has a credit or debit card, um, they're a legitimate person. I'm not saying that people without those aren't legitimate people, but typically when we're talking about tech and the internet, you'll be hard pressed to find someone who hasn't got a card. And now you could argue that some people haven't and they need to use PayPal and that's another conversation to be had. But giving free access into a system that sends text messages and does this, that and the other doesn't sit well with me. It also, so I, I, then the devil's advocate would be, well, Jack, why have something that limits the number of trials? Because asking for a credit card means that if somebody's going to enter in their credit card, they have to trust us, right? Like if somebody is like, whoa, I, I just wanted to try your software out. And now you're asking me for personal details, like a credit card. I don't know about that. So That's why intentionally point. limit the number of trials? So what you said there is also a very good point. When someone puts in their credit card information, they won't do that unless they already trust you. 
And that's very interesting because it means that we're not going to have to fight an uphill battle to try and build trust, spending lots of time on support. These are people that have read our content, that know our reputation in the game, and they're saying, okay, I trust these guys. I know these guys. They do good work. I'm going to give my credit card because they have, yeah, they have my trust. So that's another really good point. With regards to the second piece you said about does it limit the growth? Yes, it does intentionally. We we would get so many, we'd get too many trials. If we were to say, hey, anyone that wants to join, you don't need to give us anything like your credit card. Just join, just start using us. We'd be swamped and support would just be a nightmare. And we wouldn't be able to grow at a pace that is comfortable to us. We would just be in hyper growth mode. We'd have thousands. It, it scares me. But I think because we don't have uh, investors or a board or we don't have numbers that we have to hit each month. We're profitable, we have margins, we see growth every month, and it doesn't have to be more than that. Obviously, if it is, that's fine. It does, we don't intentionally not want to grow our business. But I think growth is the outcome of us doing specific work um, in this area, at, at least. And I think that that's good. I think that it's okay to limit things. Just like you said, uh, we would have to probably bring on a couple support people if we had free trials without credit cards. We would have, it would also tax our infrastructure, right? Like it would, we would have a lot of people, somebody could sign up for a like $5 million plan, not enter in a credit card, track- $5 million plan. Or a 5 million page view plan. I mean, we could have a $5 million plan, I I'm guess. I'm not opposed. <laughs> um, but people could, like the tire kickers would cost us money and we would have to get that money from our paying customers. That doesn't feel right to me. Right? No, like it doesn't, feel, it doesn't feel right um, to do that. So if somebody is putting in their credit card, we know that they are, they, and they, they could churn out, right? Like it, it's, it's a possibility that even if they enter their credit card in, they churn out. But I think the point is that they're less likely to do so. And even with the numbers that we see, our churn rate isn't that high. So if somebody signs up for a trial, they're more than likely going to stick around. Not everybody, but they're more than likely going to stick around. Yeah, huge, hugely high um, conversion rates. As a smaller business, a bootstrap business, you've got to know your limits. You will be hard-pressed to find big billion-dollar corporations that don't allow you to have a free trial. Um, you go on to things, I think Microsoft let you have free trial, Adobe. Oh, no, Adobe asks for a credit card up front, actually. Um, yeah, Adobe's a bad example because no, Adobe just, basically strong arms you into their creative cloud accounts. Yeah, no, sure. But I mean, I'm just thinking a lot of billion-dollar businesses, they can afford to offer... Uh, you know, the service is here and then they have everything in place to chase you and support you and they can support thousands of, you know, their, their quality of support is pretty crap as well. Not Adobe, I'm just talking in general. If I yeah. was to email Fathom right now versus emailing perhaps Microsoft, who's going to reply faster? What if Bill we Gates are. listens to this show? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, deja vu. Bill Gates doesn't. Someone else does of that profile, but I'm not, I'm not allowed to say on the podcast, I'll tell you privately. Um, moving away from that anyway. Uh, yeah, so these billion dollar companies can have the infrastructure in place to do support and they can pay for it and everything else. But it does reduce the quality of the support. Imagine that we're, imagine hypothetically we're getting 500 trials a day. Okay. Imagine that we removed the need for a credit card and it suddenly grew to say 5,000 trials a day. That would impact the quality of our support. 
and that is just not okay. We're very we're very into the quality of things, and honestly, if I think about it, if our support starts getting to be too much, I'd like to bring someone in. I wouldn't want us to jump mm-hmm. from sustainable growth to holy shit, we've got way too much. We can't manage this. That just doesn't appeal to me. I don't think it appeals to you either. No, I also think that it works right now. We see enough growth from trials. We have enough trials that convert into paying customers every single day, every single month, whatever, where we, where our business makes financial sense. So why would we change? And I think that comes down to why would we change it now? And on the flip side, if our business wasn't profitable, if we weren't seeing the growth that we needed to just be profitable and to like to to break even, then maybe we would, right? Like if we're having this conversation now and having this argument now because things work, if they didn't work, we would change things. And I think that's a point of having a, a startup or a business is that if something isn't working, you can always try the other thing. You can always try a different option. You can always try a different... Um, Avenue. Justin Jackson had a whole tweet thread about SaaS uh, basically not getting enough trials and you need more than you think. And I, this would be a very different conversation if we weren't getting, he said the the golden ratio is like 200 trials a month if you have a 40 to 60% trial to pay conversion, which those aren't our numbers. It's just is the, way higher. Yeah, that's just that's just an average. And I think that if we weren't seeing trials, um, we would probably want to change. And if we changed and tried a few different things and weren't seeing trials, would it then be a would it then be a, a business worth pursuing? I don't know. I think a lot of times, and this is going in a, a, a little bit of a veer, but I think that if if you start a business and you're trying a bunch of things and nothing's working, then maybe it just isn't the right business. Maybe there's something that you can pivot or maybe there's something else you can try. But it's like, if Fathom wasn't working, I wouldn't, I wouldn't try so hard to make it work if it wasn't working. And I mean, I've had so many other companies where that's been the case. It's like people focus on the, the ones that work out, but I've tried software since I think 1998. And up until the last couple of years, I didn't have any successful software companies, right? That's because you weren't working with me. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Or or Zach on, on, on the other side, on the other um, profitable one. But <laughs> I think that if you aren't seeing trials and you ask for a credit card, then maybe it's a matter of, well, try without one. Or I, I agree, yeah. And if you aren't seeing that either, then it's... It's like, is the business working? Like, what what can you change to make it work? Or what can you try that is something different? Because not everything is going to work. Even with people, even with people like me, you've been at the game for however many fucking years. Not everything always works. If that was the case, that would be pretty cool. But it's not. You can't. You can't polish a turd. No, you can't. And why what, did do people make turd polishing kits? Because I know you can buy like rock tumbler kits where you can like tumble and polish them. Are there turd yeah. polishing kits? I'm sure there are. That's a new sure business. And I'm going to offer a free trial without credit cards for my why turd polishing you, business. Uh, you've worked, you've done a lot of courses in your time. Why don't you let people have the course for free and then ask them for money afterwards? Well, I, I mean, that's a bit different because it's, um, you can't give back a, a digital product. 
right? Like this is different than a subscription where if you stop paying, you stop getting access to it. If somebody doesn't want to pay us anymore for Fathom, that's fine, but they don't get, they're not able to track new traffic in their Fathom account. Whereas if somebody buys Chimp Essentials and they, or if somebody gets Chimp Essentials, doesn't give me any money for it, they can't give it back. They can't, there's no device that like attaches to their brain and sucks all that data out of their mind. That'd be kind of cool. That would be cool. <laughs> that, that's, that's the new refund policy for digital courses well, is you and, just and have was... to hook yourself up to that. Jim Carrey had a movie <laughs> like that where he had, um, I think memories of his, his dead wife or something sucked from his brain. So you have to be oh, hooked up to the that. Matrix. Yeah, I've seen the Matrix. Yeah, exactly. Jim Carrey. That's one of Jim Carrey's best <laughs> movies. Hey, so <laughs> I was winding up. I was winding up about the course thing, but it makes me think about you do have a free trial in a sense because if someone signs up to your mailing list in a course, they will get some content for free. Same with my course, right? Yeah, when I have my yeah. mailing list, which I copied from someone, um, you would get some free content as part of the funnel. Is that arguably not similar to a free trial? And perhaps it's different because they can't continue to use a service where you have to chase them for payments, that kind of thing. What do you think about that? Um, a little bit. I think it's good. Like I offer for my courses, I offer some free content because I want to make sure they're in the right place. I hate doing refunds. Refunds are annoying. <laughs> so for digital courses, I want to make sure that the per- I want to give that person a taste, an amuse bouche, if you will, of the of the content provided. Because I want to make sure that if they're if they're if they're not going to find use in the course, they're not going to buy it. I would rather somebody not buy my course than buy it and then ask for a refund because it wasn't a good fit. So in all of my automation and sales funnels, I'm the the main point of them is to is to vet the people. Like, are you in the right place? Would you find value? If you can afford the course, are you going to find value from it? What can I give you to make that uh, an easy yes or no in your head? And so for me, that's why I do free content on Mm -hmm. my sales funnels and try to provide a lot of value there because I just want people to know, like, is this a good fit for me? If it's not, I'm going to unsubscribe. No harm, no foul. If it is, I'm going to buy it. And I'm not going to feel bad about buy it. I'm going to feel like, yeah, I can get value and then I will. Well, we have a demo for the product and you can also decide if you like us as a company through the podcast, through the content, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So arguably we already do that and that's why people give us their credit card. Yeah, I mean, the button, the first, the second, sorry, the second button on the website homepage is a demo. The first is, a, I think, a sign. Let me go to our website. I'm just talking out of my ass here. Yeah, you can get started for free, try a trial, or view a live demo. And the demo is basically, like, you get what you get. That's Fathom. Like, you see the demo. We're not hiding anything in the demo. I know some of our competitors hide things in their demo, which is funny, because it's like, what are, what are you doing? You should show people what they're going to get. Yeah, there are. I don't know say about that. I'm not going to say who they are because I just think it's silly. But if that's how they want to run their business, then cool story, bro. Um, I also wow. find it funny that well, some... <laughs> I'm just going to be thinking about that the whole rest of the episode because I don't know who you're talking about. <sighs> I also think it's funny that, and we don't get these requests a lot, but we get a couple people, and I think it's just the way enterprise sales works. They're like, oh, can we schedule a call for you to give us a demo? And it's like, you can see our demo. Everybody can see our demo. Yeah. It's like, we don't, we don't need a call. You can just, you can click the view a live demo and there's nothing hidden there. It's all there. It it's once. all there for you. We've done it one time and it was because I was, it was a big UK football team and I was kind of, not, not starstruck, but I was like, this is crazy. It was like a coming round of things. The fact that this is a football team I've known since I was a kid and here they are asking me to come and 
talk about Fathom. So that was the one time we've done it. <laughs> getting getting Paul to do that kind of thing for the right person, you might. I mean, if someone, if it was, like, um, you know, who would it who would it have to be, Jack? I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know for you. Super vet or something like super super rat surgeon or or someone like that. Yes, if would. if my favorite vet, uh, in the, if my favorite veterinarian in the world wanted a demo of Fathom, I would give her a demo yeah. of Fathom. That is it. Uh, different rules for different people. We're bad. We're bad people, Paul. We're bad people. <laughs> but typically, we don't do these because, as Paul says, you know, the demo's there. So yeah, I think if your positioning's right, you. This is the thing. If your positioning's right, I don't think you need to uh, let people in without credit cards. Because at the end of the day, you want to charge them after their trial. You shouldn't be because we remind them throughout the whole thing we send i think three emails reminding them of when they're going to be charged and we give them a super easy cancellation in the last mm-hmm. email we send at the top of the email it basically says if you're not like heck yes to fathom you, yeah. you can click here to delete your account and never hear from us again and it's that simple so we still have a high conversion rate even with that but if you're I taking think that's why we do that like that it's good I think that's oh, why, yeah, like, honestly, I think that's why we do, because we have enough faith that our software is great, that we, it's just like the top of my mailing list is if you don't think you're in the right place, click unsubscribe. Before you even get to any of the content on my mailing list is an unsubscribe button. And it's not there to like bait people, but it's there to be like, look, if, if this isn't right for you, then let's, let's call it. It just, it just makes sense. And it doesn't hurt us to do that. It just like, it doesn't hurt us to ask for a credit card. Yeah. Like we're a business that needs to make money and it's easier. And we're a business that wants to, we want to focus on our product. You and I just want to work on the product. We don't want to chase people. If somebody signs up that doesn't have a credit card or has no intention of paying us, then we would, there would probably be a lot of chasing to like, Hey, you're still using Fathom. Yeah. Like we don't have your credit card yet. Yeah, uh, that wouldn't that. be fun. I, that wouldn't be a business I want to run. Well, here's something interesting for you. I do think it depends on the audience. Because if your audience are tech people, they know what Stripe is. And they know mm-hmm. that we don't get their credit card information. Stripe does. If you're uh, dealing with an audience that isn't perhaps too technically literate, like that the chap we had to sack that called me incompetent. <laughs> um, is that like still him, my pinned tweet? It might still be my pinned tweet on Twitter. Oh, so I listened to another <laughs> podcast and the narrative was that someone called you incompetent and I wasn't going to correct them. I just let them on with yeah, it. Yeah. People were talking about that. <laughs> um, but if you don't, if people don't know what Stripe is, they might think, oh, I don't want to give this company my credit card. So our audience knows that it goes into Stripe. We use Stripe elements or whatever it is. It goes off to Stripe and we never see the card information. So that does make it easier, you know, dealing, knowing mm-hmm. that. And when I sign up for things, I think, oh, yeah, that's going to go to Stripe. They're not going to see my credit card number, that kind of thing. It does make it easier when you understand it. Yeah. So that's something to bear in mind as well. What works for us, and as Paul said at the beginning of the episode, it's not, that's, it's not a case of right and wrong, is it? So. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting because we're, somebody tweeted us saying that um, their candid point of view was that um, upfront credit card doesn't, uh, make any sense and that's fine that's their opinion i oh, mean yeah. they sh- should have prefaced it with my opinion is it doesn't make sense because it well, absolutely makes yeah i guess yeah i guess i guess but uh, uh, from our side who where we actually see the data and we actually see how trials work it does make sense it 100 percent makes sense and he's saying that it doesn't make sense for the no code um community and we have tons of no code people 
who use our software. So, I, I mean, I guess that just speaks to Twitter, where everybody thinks that their point of view is a fact and not just he, a point of view. He I'm guilty was of that as well. He was receptive, though. Oh, and for sure. He, you know, it was. there's no right or wrong move. And that's just it. And we've had Matthias of Vodir ask us before about credit cards and, you know, does it affect our churn? Thinking back to him, I'm pretty sure I signed up to Odir. I wanted to use it for something to do some cash warming. Hmm. And they don't ask for a credit card. And ironically, I don't think we're paying for that service. And I would have paid for that. It's interesting. I'm sure I signed up for it and didn't. Hmm. That's an example. So I'm right there. I'm not paying for it. I would pay for that. But I think I've completely, I don't think I've even put in my credit card information for that. Yeah, you might want to check your inbox. There's probably like 15 emails saying, (laughs) trying to chase you down for some money or something. Yeah, I know, right? I know. So, um, so yeah, that's one of the things we don't want to deal with the admin stuff. That's the main thing, really, with regards to why we don't ask for a credit card. Yeah, and we're happy with the growth that we see. So why, why, why change something if if it's going well? Agreed. So we're talking about um, how you see a company and what makes you give them your credit card and that kind of thing. What are the things that you think about when you're buying a service online, like a SaaS service or something? Yeah, I mean, and this is a question that I that I that I um, posted to Twitter as well because I was curious because I think this is like if if you're a business and you're not asking yourself why people would consider paying for your product, then you're you're not asking the right questions for your business because I think that a lot of times people make considerations before they open their wallets and buy something. So if we know what those considerations are for the things that we sell, then we can be way more informed and, and work to give the the right information to the right people to get them to buy, right? So I think that, especially with indie software, it really feels like people are trying to come up with a rational explanation for an emotional decision. I mean, people with money, especially, they, they make decisions based on emotion. I don't think that's a bad thing either. I think we, we're all way more emotional than we Emotions think. Emotions involved, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, even, even men. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think that a lot of people, like in the answers that I was getting on Twitter, a lot of people are just trying to rationalize a, a gut reaction or an, or an emotional reaction. But I think a lot of it comes down to, okay, who's behind this company? Because even for myself, when I, so I asked my audience this many years ago, like, why do you buy my products? And I was, I was genuinely curious. It's a question that I think we should ask ourselves, as, as I mentioned. And most of the answers were because you made it. And so people were more interested in supporting and buying from me than this, whatever the specific product was. And that's kind of the answers that we've got from people when we ask them with Fathom is, oh, I trust Paul, I trust Jack, I trust the combination of Jack and Paul, that sort of thing. So a lot of times it comes down to, especially because a lot of indie bootstrap companies are their brand is really the personality of their founder or co-founders, right? Because they're the ones making the business. It's like, I don't think there are a ton of people who pay for Transistor that don't know who Justin and John are, yeah. right? So, or I don't know, there's not a ton of people that use Statamic that don't know who Mr. McDade is. And that's, <laughs> that's, your, that's your fathom bingo for the day. I've just said McDade. Um, it's why you're so the co-founder, to keep your ego grounded. <laughs> Can you imagine if Paul was hearing all this good stuff? Oh, I love you, Paul. This, I use a product because I love you, Paul. You need a co-founder to keep you grounded, you see. Exactly. One in every 100 reasons for why they use Fathom is Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That keeps my ego grounded. 
Yeah. So I think part of it is the company behind the service or the, sorry, the people behind the, the company is, is really important. But a, a lot of, a lot of things that came up was uh, sustainability. Like they want to make oh, sure yes. that if they're going to buy from a company that it's going to exist. It's huge. Like, That's huge. In for a me. year. Yeah. So what kind of things can help a company be sustainable and continue to exist, Mr. Jack? Yeah, and I know Justin's talked about this a lot on Twitter, but margin is huge. Now, and it depends who your who your audience is here, but before I was a business owner, I didn't even think about sustainability. And it was, you know, I was I was a youngster. I didn't think about, oh, can this company make money off of this? Is this going to affect how they operate? And maybe the industry is just changing. We're seeing Facebook, they originally were free, and now they've got this ridiculous business model that's just gross, quite frankly. Um, we're seeing this and we're thinking, oh, I don't want a company I support to have to do that. I'd rather pay. But dude, imagine if you had to pay $5 a month for Facebook, right? And there were no adverts and no one's private data got compromised or whatever else. You might even argue that there could be a world where that could be quite fun to use. Um, your data's not being sold to advertisers, that kind of thing. But instead, I wonder, so I've a, so sorry to interrupt, but I, I wonder what the break even price is per user for Facebook. If they moved from advertising data mining model to pay per oh, well, customer. Can't. It's not real. I mean, capitalist society, shareholders, number one. Um, it, yeah, but it, just as a thought that. experiment, like based on how much revenue they generate right now per customer from advertising, what would that translate into a user account cost? We can pause the podcast in editing. I'm going to actually look it up. Just a second while I retrieve my beanie, my hair, my tweezers, and my notes. So if Facebook were to charge monthly, and they charge, and imagine that all of their customers paid, how much would they have to charge to make the same revenue that they made in 2019? So 2019, they made $70.7 billion US dollars, I believe, off the top of my head. And they have around 2.5 billion monthly active users. So they'd, be, have, they'd have to charge about $2.35 a month, $2.50 a month to make the same kind of revenue. But interestingly, it does make you think about the expenses. What expenses could they cut down on in the advertising space? Because how many developers do they have to pay for the advertising platform, uh, sales people, that kind of thing? It really does make you think. And obviously, not all of those users would pay. Some users, $2.50 mm. a month in you know, poorer countries, they're not going to be able to afford that. So, but the problem we've got here is because it's a publicly traded company, they have shareholders and they have stock and everything else. They can't, they can't act like an independent company. If Facebook no. start doing, you know, charging and they don't care about growth and this kind of thing, it's going to be bad because as a shareholder, your money doesn't increase and people will be mad. It's interesting though, like that doesn't seem like a lot, like $2.50. Like, I, I, I mean, I don't use Facebook, but if it was Twitter, I'd pay two fifty to not see ads I'd, and to I'd not pay, have my data tracked. Okay, I'd pay so five bucks a month. For Twitter, it's tricky because we, we use Twitter for networking and we meet people on there and everything else as well as social. I would actually pay $10 a month if it also meant that it hit the trending. Like I don't want any politics. I don't want any... <laughs> bullshit about celebrities if you hide that and you hide adverts i'd pay 10 to 20 dollars a month for twitter yeah same easily. easily yeah so no it does it is interesting to think about um but yes we got onto this segue because we're talking about <laughs> what we think about when buying a service yeah so facebook had to make these decisions to make some money and to 
pay back the investors. So we're now thinking about this stuff more, and that's why sustainable business is becoming more interesting. It's not this hippy-dippy movement. It's a genuine concern for the world because people are so sick of this compromising of their personal data. More and more people are understanding it, and they just, they'd just they rather pay for something um, and it be sustainable than be at the subject of whatever the investors encourage the executives to decide. So when I'm buying a service, I'm thinking to myself, so imagine it's $5. I'm thinking to myself, hmm, how is that? What's their margin in that? Is it a $4.90 margin? Are they, is it costing them 10 cents? It just doesn't, $5, $6, $7, I get nervous. D- depending on what it is, obviously. DigitalOcean, their $5 droplet made me nervous. And you can see now that they're actually pushing the $20 droplet more. They have a ton of investment. I don't know what their game plan is. But did it make me nervous? Yeah. Hell yeah, it makes me nervous. Makes me wonder about all sorts of things. I also think the same thing about open source software. Uh, Off the top of my head, what was it? It was Docker. Docker is a great example. Docker Mm. had millions and millions of dollars of investment and they were struggling to make cash. And suddenly there's this big, the CEO saying about, you know, they haven't got any money. I forget what he said. I don't want to, to slander here, but he said something about there, there were money problems of some sort, basically, I believe. And because of that, I just think you've had hundreds of millions of dollars of investment. I believe it was hundreds of millions. And you're not making a profit. So open source stuff, I'm really curious about how people monetize that. So Elasticsearch, for example, they have a premium managed service, which we're actually going to use and we're going to pay them a good amount of money. I like that. And I'm glad that they have ways for us to pay them money because, okay, I'm going to use this open source product because it's sustainable, right? Yeah. Uh, same with a lot of other opens, like MySQL, for example. They have Enterprise Edition. Okay, that's sustainable. But I get, I'm nervous to use something open source unless it has something sustainable behind it because people are people. People have to work. People have to provide for their families. You can't always rely on them having free time. Like, dude, imagine if I was doing open source before having a kid. I wouldn't <laughs> have anywhere near as much time. And I'm sure that happens to people, you know? So very interested about how companies sustain themselves financially and margins very important. For us, for example, we're not a budget service. I mean, you'll, you'll, if you take a look around, you'll find budget analytic services and you just think to yourself, where's the margin? Fathom, for example, we just hired a privacy officer. We, um, we pay for lawyers for advice on things. We pay. And at the intent of improving the customers, I mean, the lawyers, we can't really say what the lawyers are about, but it was related to some kind of on the edge stuff with regards to privacy and analytics. I don't want to say too much about this, but mm. we're finding ways in which we can make the customer's experience better and we're paying for professionals to do that. We wouldn't be able to do that without margin. Especially when the law's involved. <laughs> Especially when the law's involved. So when it comes to that kind of stuff, I am thinking about other companies and how they do it. I want them to charge me a price that I know is going to be sustainable, has some room for growth, some profit, that kind of thing. Don't charge me $5. You charge me $5 and I'm thinking to myself, hmm, what investors do you have? Is this going to be a business that's here in the future? Do I actually want to give you my money? I'm not saying rip me off. I'm not saying charge me 50 to $60. You know, that's not what I'm saying. But, or maybe I am. <laughs> it depends <laughs> what it is. But you know what I mean? That's my view when I'm looking at products anyway. Yeah, I also think that it sustainability also comes down to will they be around? Like I think myself and so many other people have tried so many amazing um, email clients Mm -hmm. that have all either stopped being updated been bought by dropbox and then killed off and like i just 
it sucks to get these carrots dangled in front of you. And it's like, oh, well, now I don't, I can't, I can't use this anymore. And I got used to using this. This was part of my workflow. Yeah. Um, there even calendar apps that the same thing ha- has happened before. And I think that kind of rubs people the wrong way. Where I think you have to think about, okay, well, what are the intentions of, of the business? Like, are they just looking for somebody to buy them in an exit? Uh, are they yeah. um, taking venture capital? In which case, it just become venture capital is really like a bet. You're going to turn your growth to hyper and hope that invol- profit happens at volume. Whereas with a company like us, like a bootstrap company, you're aiming for profit instantly and then working at keeping your margins intact. Whereas a VC is like, well, we're just going to hope that our growth turns into profit later. And that's why it's a, it's a, it's a long shot bet, basically. Something's got to give when you haven't got the margins too. So with our margins that we have in place, we, if we were to get, say, for example, we got an influx of a thousand customers or something in a day. Yeah. Imagine we had that. We, and we had tons of support and we just couldn't manage it anymore. We would have the margins to hire someone at that point, right? Yeah. Um, so having those margins in place just gives you that flexibility to continue to provide the quality of service that you're looking to provide. If you haven't got that margin, things just get worse and worse and worse. You get, sure, you get volume, but you can't sustain the quality. And arguably, maybe there was no quality to begin with. It's yeah. the whole sell them, sell them cheap, stack them high. I've, since I was <laughs> a kid, I've had that as you just don't do that, you know? Yeah. I did it when I was young, when I was first getting into coding. You know, I, uh, I sold my services cheap. But if you're providing a great service and you've got, you know, us, for example, I mean, let's have a little flex here, if you don't mind me, me flexing a little <laughs> bit. I mean, like our services, dude, like databases are highly available, um, automatic failover, create, you know, backups, uh, our serverless infrastructure, multi, uh, multi-AZ, multi um, our custom domains infrastructure. Our custom domain infrastructure is deployed in, I think, six or five or six regions um, that automatically fall over to the regions and that kind of thing. And just that kind of stuff, you know, that's quality. And I really think that when you're buying a service and this is, I say this from the heart, look at the quality of the service and the price is one thing. Price doesn't always indicate quality, but really start to think, you know, are they, have they got the margins to invest in this thing that makes the business better? You know, highly available databases is a good example, taking data seriously. And I won't get too techie, but that's the kind of stuff that I really do think about. Have they got yeah. a graphics designer? Are they going to make it? <laughs> have they got someone who cares about the user experience, who's going to improve my life? Have they got the skill set? Can they afford to hire the skill set of someone to code things and make things faster? That kind of thing. And I'm talking specifically to SaaS here. Um, margin allows you to hire really good people as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's and and dude, coming away from price as well. We're, we're well into price here. I appreciate that, but. You meant you mentioned just now about the person who's behind it. Now I do care about that. If Taylor Otwell was behind a product, he's got my money the second he launches, right? If someone's yeah. got a reputation of building good products, takes their job seriously, has tons of experience, I'm going to put my money behind them. Whereas if they're just some random person who I've never heard of before, I'm going to be more hesitant. 
So yeah, if you're a random person with no audience, you're not going to get money. I wouldn't give my credit card to a random person with no audience. So do people, and I know you get this more than me, but someone's asked me to use their service for free in the past and I don't know who they are and I've said no. Yeah. Whereas if it was a friend or someone I know of, you know, that's, it, that's really important. I think that there's so many things that go into why is somebody going to pay me for this thing that I'm trying to sell? And it's not just a matter of, well, it's for sale. Like That is not enough. It's just like for a newsletter sign-up. You can't just say, sign up for my newsletter. Like There needs to be more thought that goes into what you're selling and why people want to buy it. And I think obviously, yeah, the audience piece, if you have a personal brand or if you built up an audience from something, I think that that's really important because you can hear what they have to say about the thing that you're selling. Um, and then there's trust built over, over time. Um, some of the other points uh, I think that were good as well were, um, do their values align? Which I also think is a little... Like, I think every company has, like, a fucking flowery mission statement. So, I mean, every company says that they're ethical. Like, Google, uh, in their um, testimony in in Congress the other week, was like, yeah, we care about privacy. And anybody can basically say anything, whether it's in front of Congress or on the internet. Um, But I think you have to look to see if if the company's actions align with the values that they say they have. Absolutely. Agreed. We've built, yeah, we built software where we literally can't store personal data based on the way that it's built. Whereas if Google says, well, we don't care, we care about privacy and protecting personal data, but the way that their software works is the opposite of that, then it doesn't, it doesn't line up. Um, so yeah, I think those are all. Pyrrhic, uh, <laughs> Pyrrhic Pro. We advertise uh, with Google. Actually, no, I'm not going to go in on them. Uh, when we have our mystery guest on uh, next month, mystery guest, I'm going to ask about advertising on Google because I may hear another side of the argument. So I'm going to be quiet sure. on that for the moment. Sounds good. All right, I think that's. Uh, I think we. I think we've covered a lot here, my friend. Yeah. No. One. One final thing I was thinking about. Um, branding, you know, marketing, we see marketing as this one big thing. I've recently been really thinking about the aspects of the marketing, the positioning, the branding, and I obsess about the awareness part of the marketing. That's really what I enjoy doing. You take a huge role on the branding side of things. And it just makes me think about how marketing breaks down into these subcategories and how you need to be aware of all of those things. And the more you do on it, like the content on the site, you did you did a fantastic job in communicating everything about Fathom. You wrote it well, and it sets the brand and it positions it really well. And I think I think you're way better at that than I am. And I think I really do just when I do marketing, I really think about getting awareness. That's like my number one thing: is how do we how do people have us on their mind as often as possible? And that's what I think about. So. Yeah, well, I think it's. A, I think we're we're two different schools of thought, and I think that it, it complements each other. You're more the hare, and I'm more the tortoise <laughs> <laughs> on awareness. Yes. Where I think that moving very slowly and stacking 
things on top of things and content on content and all of that over time pays off. And it obviously does. And you have really cool ideas about, okay, well, how can we get this in front of people right now? Yeah. And that pays off as well. So I think a little bit in, uh, on either side uh, can, can help there. There's a middle ground. And something I want to make a comment on as well, it's not necessarily on topic. Um, we talked about co-founders in the past. If you have two co-founders who think the same as me or perhaps think the same as Paul, it isn't necessarily the best combination because me and Paul yeah. often meet in a middle ground because we need what he brings and we need what I bring. And Paul will, <laughs> Paul will drag me into the middle because sometimes my ideas <laughs> are too over the top. And I think you need to have that complimenting. That isn't just me complimenting us there, but it's just something to think about. You know, Marketing is a yeah. complex thing, so be aware of what you're doing. 